Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody, a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. Always a great day on the show as we get into some K-State football with our K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. That's coming up at the top of the next hour. Chelsea Messenger, our betting insider, will join us to go over the weekend in the NFL. Takes us through some interesting things happening in the betting world and some of the games, props, and different things she likes to perhaps throw a little money at this weekend. Uh, it's always fun to be here with you. 869-1240 is the number to call. We will be giving away more tickets, more tea, all kinds of good stuff throughout the show here. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. This is Sports Daily. Jack Chambers producing. So happy to have you on board today. Tommy, how's your Thursday turning out? Hey, it's good, man. Glad to be here, ready to get into it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, talking. I mean, there's just so much going on right now. We always, every day, we talk about how jam-packed of a show it is. Today is no exception. Love the fall. The fall is always wild. Uh, these, This is the best season for sports talk, in my opinion, as we go through all the different levels of football and and the other things going on in the sports world. Uh, we're going to get into Aaron Judge, who tied Roger Maris's record last night. Now just one home run away from what some people feel like the real home run record. Uh, it'll be the American League home run record if he can get to 62 one way or the other. We'll get into that a little later in the show. Uh, Tommy has a Coolio story to tell us about. Uncle Tommy's going to take us back to a, <laughs> back in back in time to an interesting personal interaction with Coolio, who died yesterday. Um, a Certainly a staple of American pop culture for people Tommy and I's age. Uh, we'll get into all of that later, but Tommy, we're going to start with an interesting article. Uh, Dennis Dodd had a couple of them yesterday. One having to do with Lance Leipold that we talked a lot about yesterday on the show. Today, uh, uh, well, later yesterday that we'll talk about today now, Dodd reports basically that if the Big Ten who wants Amazon on board and in order to get Amazon may go after a few more Pac-12 schools. If that happens, he forecast a little bit that it might be the end of the Pac-12. And basically what Dodd is laying out there is that the Big Ten is continuing to pursue four Pac-12 schools, California, Oregon, Stanford, Washington, in a deal that would bring Amazon or somebody else onto their media rights revenue list. Not a massive amount of money. Uh, Dodd reporting that figure believed to add less than $100 million annually. Well, not a massive amount of money when you're talking about what it would bring to every school in the Big Ten, but it's a good chunk of change for what it would bring to the Pac-12 or the Big 12, Tommy. And this is why I've thought the Pac-12 has handled this so poorly forever they just have this vision of the dinosaurs and what things used to be and and we've warned and we've warned and we've warned 
You're, if you're not proactive here, you're going to get left behind, and it looks like there's a really good chance that the Pac-12 gets left behind because if that scenario plays out, Dodder Ports, and of course this would be the logical next step, is that Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah would indeed and then say, all right, that's that we're out. Let's go to the Big 12. Big 12 gets stronger. Everybody gets stronger. And what people feared might happen to the Big 12 appears to be happening to the Pac-12 now. Why? Because they won't get aggressive and they're trying to live in the past. Yeah, first off, a hat tip to Dennis Dodd. Um, he's been on a roll the last couple of days. We've referenced him quite a bit uh, from CBS Sports uh, over the last couple of shows. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, significant. Another day, another story about conference expansion and conference realignment. And um, really, obviously, as it as it relates to the Big 12, um, this is something that you know could end up being very, very valuable for Brett Yormark and the Big 12. And the fact that the Big 10 has played the aggressor so far, it, it's interesting to me that, you know, the Big 10 makes the announcement that they're getting USC and UCLA. And that sends shockwaves. But then the commissioner of the Pac-12 sits back and kind of thinks, all right, well, I guess we're done. Like, we're, nobody else is going to leave our conference. Like, we're a united front. That's not the case at all. The Big Ten is still being aggressive because they want a larger media rights deal. So they're going to sure. go after more teams from the Pac-12. And there's been really no line of defense from the Pac-12 to ward this off from the Big Ten. Meanwhile, the Big 12 is sort of sitting back and saying, all right, well, really outside of Oklahoma and Texas, none of our schools are being poached right now. And so we can sort of watch the Big Ten taking away even more schools from the Pac-12 and then we'll swoop in and, you know, we'll take Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Uh, Brett, your mark has been pretty public. I mean, he said it a couple of weeks ago that he wanted to add schools in that fourth time zone. And so this could ultimately be the path that they take to make that happen. Well, and there's other schools that get interesting if you go down that path, too. You know, San Diego State becomes interesting. I don't know if you want Oregon and Washington, Oregon State and Washington State. Honestly, I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know what that even does or means or is or whatever. Um, I've said from the beginning I thought a merger was the best bet for the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Strength in numbers. Um, the complication is how much do numbers water down the money you can make or add to the money you can make. And that's always been the elephant in the room to some degree. So it gets harder to just add people because they have to bring something to the table. You don't want to add people if it takes money out of the schools you have's pocket. I get that. I do. But if, you know, it's almost like there's two groups, the forward thinkers and the look backers and the Pac-12 has been look backers like wait no like the, we're the Pac-12 all our tradition and history and the Rose Bowl and the academic standards at which our football teams play it, it's not yeah. 1947 anymore guys <laughs> like this is a this is a pro league you can call it whatever you want to and try and shape it however you want the sooner everybody understands that college football is a pro league where the players happen to go to college the sooner you'll be able to advance into the new age of college athletics at the highest levels just the way it is and the Pac-12 hasn't done that and so they're it, it could I think there's a real chance here that they end up the big losers which you know as as a as big 12 fans here that we are at least it's not us right like that's that's the way you have to look at it because it was going to happen to somebody. The Big 12 still 
has to be very, very careful that one of these leagues doesn't try to dive in now and get like Amazon on board, for instance, by taking Big 12 teams and just adding games to the list, because I do think that possibility always exists, right? If you're trying to stack up a set of games that Amazon might be interested in or whoever it might be that's trying to get into the college football world, I got to tell you, Oklahoma State, you know, TCU, Baylor, they all get pretty interesting. So got to be careful there too. But the Big 12 is at least getting proactive. If I'm the Big 12, that's, I mean, I'm talking to Amazon. Like, will you be the ones that bail us out here? Like, what can we do to financially secure our future? Um, So I'm sure that they're all having those conversations. But, you know, the Big 12 has grown in all of this. We didn't know what to think. We all liked it on the field. We loved it, in fact, the new additions to the Big 12 that will start soon. But, you know, financially, we didn't know what that means. But I got to tell you, Tommy, it's it looks a hell of a lot better than doing nothing, which is what the Pac-12 has done here. And they haven't grown at all. And the Pac-12 had an opportunity. They could have gone and got some Mountain West schools. They could have done anything. They haven't done, they haven't done anything except try to bureaucratically keep UCLA from doing this, as far as I can tell, which is a fool's errand. But yeah, it's going to kill them. And, I'm and not, it's a warning sign to these other leagues. Like, don't do not do this. Don't do what the Pac-12 is doing. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a bigger goofball in college athletics right now than George Klyvkoff, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner. Um, he said back in July, his words were, let's be very clear, no Pac-12 school is joining the Big 12. Um, and and th- those words um, may come back to haunt him because that could very well be the case. If I'm Brett Yormark, we've talked about this a few different times, and, and I've been... Um, I've been an advocate of this position. Maybe, you know, if you're Brett, your mark, don't wait to see what the fallout is between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And if they're going to go get those other schools, Cal and Stanford and, and so on and so forth, go and get the schools from the Pac-12 that you want right now. If that's Arizona and Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, like those four corner schools, Go and, go and get them now. And I'm sure that there are back-channel discussions going on. I can't sure. imagine with the aggressiveness that we've seen from your mark since he's become the commissioner of the Big 12 that he's just sort of sitting back and waiting to see what happens and what the fallout is. W- will the Big 10 go and get these additional schools? I bet there's already conversations happening, and I'm sure that there, there have been already. Now, publicly, the Pac-12 outside of UCLA and USC – have shown kind of a united front, but it's just words, right? It doesn't, those things don't yeah, necessarily doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They say one united bit. front. If, if, if the Big Ten and what they're bringing to the table comes and asks any of those four schools, they'd be fools yep. not to go, and they will. Yep. And um, the biggest I mean, difference just, they just is that, will. Yep. The biggest difference is the fact that the, the Pac 12, yeah, they might be negotiating a new media rights deal right now, but the Big Ten already has theirs. And that's the advantage for the Big Ten. Like, it's already set in place. And so if they can expand it even more and they can provide more money to the to the schools in that, in that conference, then that puts them head and shoulders above what the Pac-12 can do right now. So, you know, I would say that the Big 12... Yeah, they're they're in a they're in an advantageous position because they're not being poached right now. But I don't think you can sit back and just no. wait to see how things play out. I think you have to no, go because, be aggressive right now. Because if the Big Ten does this and Amazon wants on board, what's to keep the SEC from coming to call again to say, "Well, we want some of that Amazon money. Uh, let's get 
you know, let's get on board and, and we'll get a couple other teams that create a Western boundary for us. It may not be the ultimate time zone, but it's more games that we can get, right? ESPN's looking for games. Remember, they lost out on the Big Ten here. So you have to get a, an attractive enough offer now and make the buyout so outrageous that that teams won't or that schools won't leave and that it leaves everybody alone. And it's possible. You know, A, a and B and C all have to happen together. The Big 12 has to begin these conversations with these schools at the same time as it's having conversations with the same networks that are negotiating with the Big 10 to say, look, all right, schools, we have an offer that if you were to come, this is what it would look like. And all right, networks, we think we have these schools if you go and get these other schools. So like all three things, it's weird, right? Because the Big 12 needs to be having conversations that have to do with what the Big 10's doing, which have to do with what the networks are doing and which networks are, are negotiating with both leagues. But what the Pac-12 has done as a league is left itself out of all these conversations, right? Nobody's like beating the door down to go get what the Pac-12 is right now. That's clear, right? That part of us, that part of this equation we thought was clear before, it's clear now. The Pac-12 is where the Big 12 was when Oklahoma and Texas left. The difference is it's taken the Pac-12 a lot longer for their hurt feelings to be healed and to get proactive here, the Big 12 immediately goes, right, and gets Cincinnati and BYU and UCF and Houston. All right, we lost those two. We got to go get stronger. Let's go get, we identify these four schools as schools that make us, you know, better as, than we currently are without Texas and Oklahoma. Let's go get them. All right, so step one was done right away for the Big 12. Now, as you go into these network conversations, you have to you have to look into the future. If the Pac-12 is getting poached by the network I'm already talking to, hey schools, or, or hey network, let's say we get these four schools. How much would it be worth? Okay, hey schools, we've got the networks that are going to take the. They're telling us that this is what it's going to be worth. Because what I can guarantee you is, whatever the Pac-12's hearing isn't going to be as good as that if they don't have those four schools. Yeah, we'll uh, a league surrounding. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Washington State, and Oregon State. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a glorified Mountain West or whatever you you know whatever West Coast con like it's not it's not in the same conversation anymore. And they've done it to themselves because they had the opportunity to take what they currently have and go merge with the Big Twelve, create another Super League, dominate the time zones have a very attractive TV package because of the times of day they can play. They didn't do it. Instead, they thumbed their nose at the Big 12. You're not up to our standards. Get out of here, you hillbillies from the middle of the country. <laughs> We're the Pac-12. We have the Rose Bowl, and our schools have XYZ accreditations, and you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, what well, does, nobody, uh... goes to your foot nobody goes to your football games <laughs> or watches them on TV. So, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. What does Bill Walton call the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions? Isn't that what he calls them, like all Something the time? Like that. Yeah, um, I, I think the one thing to keep in mind too, uh, with the Big Twelve as it relates to their negotiations with these networks, you know, you referenced Oklahoma and Texas leaving to the SEC. You referenced the additions that uh, the the Big Twelve got. I as they're negotiating with these networks, 
not, there's not a single person on this planet that thinks that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF replaces the value of Oklahoma and Texas. So as it stands right now, the worth of the conference to TV networks is less than it was, even with these additions, than it was with Oklahoma and Texas. So if they can go and they can grab the four corner schools, that does add value. It, it adds a significant amount of value. And so, and, and that's a very, very simplistic, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know the way that these individual schools are valued and how it relates to TV deals. But I can tell you flat out that adding those four schools, I, I still don't know if it fully replaces the value of an OU in a Texas, but it certainly helps quite a bit as they're in these negotiations. So that's why I say yeah. that regardless of what the big, regardless of what the big 10 is doing with the PAC 12 and poaching schools, it's going to be in Brett Yormark's best interest to, to be negotiating right now to go and get these schools in a weekend PAC 12 and not waiting for what the big 10 is going to do. There's no question on the field. Now, financially adding those four in the, four that they've added won't still be as good as right. having Oklahoma and Texas. Yep. But man, on the field, the swath that that creates in the geographic possibilities is awesome. It's so great. Like what could be with that there, right? And then you think about okay, should we go after Colorado State? Like where, you know, how 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 big should we take this if we're the Big 12? And at that point, do you make it sort of like the Big Ten is now, have gobs of teams and just split them east and west and play it out? That, that's what I would prefer. I would – and I hope – and I don't know – the problem is the financial aspect of it, and I just don't know if it's feasible. But, man, if you could come up with a system that had 10 teams west and 10 teams east uh, or whatever it might be and play it out that way and then have a, have a conference champion that's basically a mini – you know, regular season. Oh my God, it would be so fantastic. And, and imagine, you know, this is all of course a football conversation, but imagine adding Arizona and Utah and their history and tradition on the basketball court and oh, even man. Colorado in recent years to already with Houston, Kansas, Baylor tech, like the big 12 basketball. Oh my God. It'd be better than the NBA. It, I mean, it's, it's It would be amazing. Uh, it just, you know, we can dream, right? We can, we can hope we can. The good news is with all this, Tommy, when you said this, it just reaffirms how much better a position the big 12 appears to be in right now than the PAC 12 does. And that's of course the bottom line for what we all care about as we want, you know, the future of the big 12 to survive. We want the future of Kansas state and Kansas to survive, of course. So Really interesting development, really interesting story as Amazon stepping into. What did we say when we heard Amazon wanted into yep. the window? We said this Without could a be doubt. a massive shakeup in all of this because yep. they want to spend a lot of money to become real players. Yep, and and my final point on this that I'll make is thank goodness the Big Twelve has a commissioner in Brett Yormark right now because you know I I, I bashed Bob Bullsby before the former commissioner, but he he sort of was the he had the mindset of what. The Pac-12 commissioner has right now, like if he was still in place, but at least both he of these guys, the, to his credit, because I agree, but at least he went and expanded a little bit. True, but you know, I, I think that both of these guys were going to sit back and kind of have that dinosaur mentality of we're not budging, we're not moving. 
while their schools are getting poached away from their conference. So at least there's a commissioner in place now for the Big 12, the conference that that we care about here locally, that is willing to go out and try to expand and try to be viable for the future. All right, there it is. There's the latest in the college football, you know, craziness that has overtaken everything. There there will be an end game to this. There will be. Um, when does it come? That's the good question. I don't know when it comes, but I think it's sooner than people think, and we'll get there, but here we go. The latest, the Pac-12 in real danger. All right, let's take a quick break, 869-1240. We'll have time uh, after our next segment to dig back into that with callers, uh, if you would like. When we come back, though, Chelsea Messenger, our friend from our, uh, from our Odyssey family and and all the different avenues we have now will help us go through some of her favorite bets. She's our betting insider, and she'll join us next on Sports Daily. On the line is the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, and welcome back. Welcome in, Chelsea Messenger, as we get ready for another week of football here. Chelsea, how you doing on a Thursday morning? Yeah, doing great. Hopefully we have some good football on tap tonight on Thursday Night Football. I am very excited to see the undefeated Dolphins go head-to-head with the Bengals, but I don't think I'm going to be on the Dolphins side. I think I'll probably be on the Bengals. Yeah, they've had some injury concerns, so we do have a couple of updates. It looks like this morning there are reports that Tua will play through an injury. Jalen Waddell will play through an injury. Uh, They've been banged up and a little bit in question, but it sounds like they'll go on the short week. What makes you like the Bengals here and any other pieces of that game as we'll start there that you've got your eye on? Yeah, right now we're seeing this line uh, holding steady at three and a half. Initially, this line ticked up to four with early money coming in on the Bengals, and then it kind of switched to the Dolphins. I think it's people just kind of buying over that key number of three, which we know is a big deal when betting on the NFL. But for me, I'm going to go with the Bengals in the first half of minus three because it's on a key number. You know, even if they're only up by a field goal, at least you get a push as opposed to losing your money on the hook at the end of the game. I think the Bengals come out swinging here, especially when you have a Dolphins team that is already on a short week, week had to miss a day of practice because they had to travel uh, up to this game a little early because of the hurricane that's going on in Florida. And also, when you have a quarterback who's dealing with injuries on a short week, that makes the game plan even tougher. And also, let's talk about this defense. The Dolphins' defense has been one of the worst against the pass in this short season so far, allowing the second-most passing yards uh, to opposing offenses of any team in the NFL. And I get it. They've played good quarterbacks. They played Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. So obviously those guys are probably going to have something to do with those numbers. But still, when Joe Burrow is firing on all cylinders, which I feel like we haven't seen just yet this season, I think he can pay, put up some big numbers here too. So uh, some of it has to do with this Dolphins secondary as well. Chelsea, going off that with the secondary for the the Dolphins, are you looking at any – specific player props like Jamar Chase or T Higgins um, or any other player props on the Dolphins side? 
Well, they didn't have many player props listed for the Dolphins this morning just because uh, we're still not completely sure what we're going to get from Tua. Just because we saw it in that Chargers game. Yeah, Justin Herbert played, but he clearly wasn't his normal self. So I'm going to look to the Bengals side, and the problem with picking Bengals props sometimes is choosing which receiver is going to go off because they have so many weapons. T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd had over 100 yards receiving last week. And, of course, Jamar Chase, who is always the deep ball threat. So I think I'm going to go Joe Burrow over his passing yards of 272.5 over a bed gym just because I think he spreads it around those guys. And also, most of these guys have big play potential where they can get plays of you know 25 to 30 yards in a single catch. I like Joe Burrow, and I also think the go-to guy here is probably going to be Jamar Chase just because he has really hogged the target share so far this season. He's had double-digit targets in two of three games this season. So I'm not going to play his yardage prop. I'm going to play his catches prop over five-and-a-half catches, four minus 140. I think that's the way to go. Chelsea, what about some other games here as we move on to the Sunday slate? We can start with the Chiefs since we're in Kansas. It's a weird game, a weird week, a weird everything because Hurricane Ian has everything sort of messed up a little bit. We don't even know where they're going to play at this point. Do those things happening and weather and different factors that we can't really count on, do those change the way you look at games at all? Do you fade them? Do you go after them? Do you attack? How, How do you approach those? I think it's tough from a side perspective, just because when there's other factors that aren't really in your control, I think this is why it's tough to bet on those games that are, for instance, overseas, you know, the one in London this week, even though I have a strong lean towards the Vikings, not sure what's going on with the quarterback situation there. Uh, But back to this Bucks and Chiefs game, early money has come in on the under, and maybe that's the way to go. When you have teams who are possibly missing practice time and plus, the defense of the Bucks has been the one thing you can count on for Tampa Bay. We know Tom Brady is lacking some weapons. I, I believe Chris Evans might – not Chris Evans. I always want to call him Chris Evans. Mike Evans uh, should be back for this one. Clearly the number one threat uh, in the receiving game for the Bucks. But I think we see a lower-scoring affair here. This one opened at 47.5, and, and now it's down to 45.5. I think we see the run games uh, take center stage here, and it's more of a chess match as opposed to – teams taking big home run swings. I think we see a, a lower score, scoring game between the Chiefs and the Bucks. Hey, Chelsea, at this point, you know, Tom Brady could throw the ball to Chris Evans and it'd be, you know, one additional wide receiver that he doesn't have right now. So uh, that might not be the worst thing in the world for him. Hey, looking at a couple of uh, other games here, I, in, last week it really seemed like there were a handful of dogs that were getting quite a bit of love uh, with Vegas and, and a lot of money were going to, you know, those dogs. Are you seeing that coming into this week? Are there some underdogs that you're really focused on? I think there are a lot of underdogs that probably went out right, just because we're seeing a lot of shorter spreads. Don't know if you've looked at the slate in, in its entirety, but there's a ton of threes, one and a half out there, where it's really short spreads. So even the bookmakers think that we're going to see some close games this weekend. I think of the underdogs, probably my favorite is the Arizona Cardinals. I've talked about them before, I believe, on the show, is how much better they've been on the road you know, in their last couple of seasons. I don't know what it is, but they don't play good at home. And plus, we saw some life from this team in that game against the Raiders. The fact that they still had the will to come back when everybody said that this is a lost season. And let's not take away too much from the Cardinals after having to play two really tough opponents in two of their three games. Had to play the Chiefs, had to play the Rams, who the Rams have their number. That's plain and simple. So I think this is a buy-low spot on the Cardinals getting one and a half 
at Carolina, a team that I am not willing to trust with Baker Mayfield, with Christian McCaffrey possibly being banged up. I'm on the Cardinals. I want to tell you two that I like, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Um, Cleveland minus one and a half. I, I kind of like, and I like Dallas over 41 and a half. The Cowboys should have had at least two more touchdowns the other day. Washington, eh, you know, but but Washington's offense probably a little bit better than the Giants. I think there may be some history bias there, but I think that game could get over, and I kind of like the Browns minus one and a half on the road. What do you think of those two? Let's start with the Cowboys, because I think you're probably on to something there, because one thing Carson Wentz has done is at least put up a ton of passing yards. I know last game it wasn't really the case, but we've seen that he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field and take some big risks. So maybe that's the case, but the sabotage factor there is the Cowboys do have a very good pass rush, and we've seen Carson Wentz under pressure. It is not good. He can throw picks. Maybe that bodes well for the over. Maybe you're banking on a couple of big pick sixes, but uh, it's a pretty low total, so maybe you're safe there. Who's Cleveland playing? I've got the wheel of death on my computer right now. Atlanta. We've got Atlanta. So Atlanta's interesting to me because their offense has looked good, right? Like they've... But but their opponents have been interesting to me. I think Cleveland, assuming Miles Garrett's okay, and I don't know what his status is after that wreck, but I think Cleveland's defense will be quite a bit better than what Atlanta's seen, and, and we've seen their offense be effective because Amari Cooper looks like the best version of himself. It just it feels like Cleveland's a better team than Atlanta at this point, and maybe it's maybe I'm oversimplifying it. No, I just think in the NFL, it's tough to say, well, this is the better team. This is how it's going to unfold, just because the NFL is the league of chaos. And right now, Atlanta's been covering spreads, but we're talking about a one-and-a-half-point spread. So basically, you're almost just picking a winner. I'd side with you and the Browns, just because I know they lost to the Jets, and that was a bad loss. But still, when you have a run game and an offensive line that you can count on, the Browns have one of the best offensive lines in football, and they have one of the best backfields in football. So say what you want about Jacoby Brissett. It doesn't seem to matter. I think this is a team that can control the time of possession, and hopefully Miles Garrett plays because I think when you're talking about single most important pieces to defenses, he is the equivalent of like T.J. Watt, and we've seen what the Steelers' defense looks without looks like without T.J. Watt. But still, it's not a Falcons team that I'm ready to trust when they're only getting a point and a half. So I'd be with you on the Browns there. I can't tell you how excited I am, Chelsea, to watch the the Eagles and Jags game and to find out what's going on truly with Jacksonville. I think we know what the Eagles are. I think we know how good they are, but Jacksonville has played great the last couple of weeks, especially uh, last week taking down the Chargers. Any thoughts on this game? I know the you know the spread right now is around a touchdown, somewhere around around there. Um, anything you're looking at in particular with this matchup? I think it's six and a half, and I'm definitely on the Jags if it gets to seven, just because we've seen this team do a complete 180 from what they were last season. And yes, I know the Eagles look like the best team in football right now, but we're talking about a big spread. You know, anything over six is considered big in the NFL. And as somebody who was on the Eagles covering that number against the Lions, uh, that was not a winner. The Lions covered in that game. And it's just been really because the Eagles haven't kept their foot on the gas pedal. We've seen them really slow down the pace, and uh, they haven't really been scoring in a high clip in the second half. So that scares me when wanting to back the Eagles. I'd probably be on the Jags here. 
All right, uh, Chelsea, before we let you go, you're associated with BetMGM. So are we on this show. So I think one of the cool promotions that they do is this first touchdown scorer insurance, which basically means you can get 20, you put $25 down on a first touchdown score and they'll give it back to you in a free bet if you don't hit it. Uh, they're doing that every, every uh, I believe, Monday and Thursday. So I'm looking at that. Let's identify a great opportunity here on a first touchdown score. I think we all kind of like the Bengals, maybe. Like, what, what are you looking at? Who would be a good dart throw at a first touchdown uh, that we might be able to, to get lucky with tonight? Well, if you're looking at target shares, and this is not going to be a you know high odds pick, but Joe Mixon, he has to get into the end zone at some point. I know he hasn't been great in the red zone, but he's still uh, hogging those targets when it comes to uh, the red zone. And he's also a guy that can catch passes, which is always a bonus in that red zone offense. So I think it's probably Joe Mixon or the other side looking at the Dolphins, possibly Chase Edmonds. He's their running back. I don't think Tua is going to be doing any quarterback sneaks going into the end zone with uh, the shape that he's in. So I think they're probably going to try to preserve his health and lean on the running backs more. So maybe Chase Edmonds or Joe Mixon. I like it. I, I, I like that. All right, I'm going to look at that. We appreciate it, Chelsea. Anything else, any can't-miss bets you've got this weekend, favorite bets or anything before we let you go? Man, I really like some dogs in college football, but it scares me a bit with these hurricane conditions because obviously when you're relying on passing attacks, I think that's tough because I do like Wake getting the points against uh, Florida State. I like Kentucky getting seven against, I think it's Ole Miss. And also, do we think Alabama's covering this huge number against Arkansas? I'm not so sure. I think this number probably gets close so to 18. It seems like too much. Didn't we say this before the Texas game? I think when you play in the SEC, you're just trying to get a win and get out, especially if it's a road game. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on the Alabama game. Uh, we appreciate it. Okay, Chelsea, well, people can follow you on Twitter. Chelsea Messenger, find it. Uh, all your work with BetQL and the Daily uh, the daily wager. Um, looking forward to all of that uh, daily tip, I should say. Sorry, the daily tip, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. We appreciate it. Let's talk again next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, there goes Chelsea Messenger, the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Insider calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines on the BetMGM app. You can check her daily tip. Uh, it's good stuff. Always good information. We'll digest that. We'll look ahead. Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com, K-State Insider coming up in hour number two. Lots to get to today on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, KFH, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. If you missed any of our conversation there with Chelsea Messenger looking for potential plays this weekend, you can always find that at kfhradio.com. All right. Uh, Tommy had a reaction that I want to know more about yesterday. We learned about the passing of Coolio, who, you know, when we were kids in what, probably, I don't know, middle school, Tommy, 
uh, Gangsta's Paradise was as big a song as any song of our youth for the time that it was a hit. And Coolio was a part of it, and he had the name, and he had the cool hair, and all of those things, big part of our pop culture. But you have an even closer connection to Coolio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Let's, I do. let's have some story time here. Yeah, so I tweeted about this uh, last night after um, we saw that Coolio had, had passed away. And uh, this was, I don't know, probably 10, 12 years ago. Uh, I was working in radio. I was working for a music radio station here in Wichita, but I was very, very low on the totem pole. Um, like I was like part time, like didn't, you know, uh, all that thing, you know, just getting into the business. And we had a concert at Hartman Arena here in Wichita. And my job uh, was basically to be a runner. Like I was running artists from the airport to the arena and back. And, you know, that was kind of what I did all day long. So my job was to pick up Coolio from the airport. Coolio was on the bill for the concert. So I went to the old airport in Wichita. I had a, it wasn't like I had like a, a SUV or a, a big vehicle to pick him up. Like I was in my own car driving people from the airport to the arena. Like it was a pretty, you know, low budget kind of deal. And so I go to the airport. I'm in my 2009 Honda Civic. I bought that car brand new. And I go to the airport, and he, first off, the first part of the story that I think is hilarious uh, is I'm standing and I'm waiting for Coolio to come out from the from the plane, come down into the lobby, and I had to, part of my job, part of the requirement was that I had to hold a sign that said Coolio, like I was a chauffeur, like I wasn't going to know who Coolio was, but I'm holding a sign that says Coolio on it, uh, and of course, I recognized him right away. Um, we, I introduce myself, we go to my car and we're driving from the old mid continent airport to Hartman arena down Kellogg. And then on 135, we're in the car, he gets in the back seat, like I'm a chauffeur. And he asks me, can I smoke in your car? And I don't know if I was being naive. I don't know if I just wasn't thinking at the time. I, I genuinely thought he meant cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. I guess if you want to do that, like, what am I going to do? Tell Coolio, no, he's in the back of my Honda Civic. And that is not what he lit up in the back of my car. And we're driving down Kellogg and then we're driving down 135 on the way to Hartman Arena. And he's hotboxing me the entire way. Windows up going to the arena. Windows up. Windows up. Down. And I can't okay. tell I can't tell Coolio, hey, I need you to crack a window. He's Coolio. You know, he he wrapped Gangsta's Paradise. Like, what am I what am I supposed to say? So he's in the back of my Honda Civic, hotboxing me all the way to the arena. We get out, and it was like a Cheech and Chong movie. Like, we yeah. open the doors, and the, the smoke billows out of the, the car doors. Um, and that was that was my connection to Coolio. Uh, that's a great story. I always tell people, like, I'm not autograph guy or, like, memorabilia or merchandise. Like, I don't really care about any of that stuff. I want good stories. Like I want, I want celebrity <laughs> stories, right? Like that's that's what I want. You got a good one there that you'll have and hang on to uh, forever. You know, I don't really know a lot about what happened to Coolio or what he's done since Gangsta's Paradise, but between Gangsta's Paradise and then Weird Al's Amish Paradise, right? The the spoof on it, like that was. There were a lot of years where you know very much in the in the spotlight and center of the things that we were joking about and having fun with as a kid. So yeah, Coolio, that was uh that was sad news to hear yesterday. Again, I don't know much else, but apparently he's uh uh you know, 
been up to plenty if he was still relevant enough to play Hartman. What what was that? Two thousand nine, you said. Yeah, two thousand nine was when that happened. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten, uh, played that show as, as an opener. And what I thought was interesting about him, I learned more. Like I wanted to do a little bit more research on him after you know he hotboxed me, and uh, so I I look him up, and apparently he was he was on the board of like the the National Asthma Foundation. Like he he struggled with asthma attacks throughout the course of his life, and I just thought, okay, I mean, I'm sure that you smoking the way that you do probably doesn't help your asthma, probably but doesn't I, help. Yeah. that's not, you know, for me to decide, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned the, you know, Gangsta's Paradise and all these other songs. For me, the way that I knew him best was he did the theme song to Keenan and Kel on Nickelodeon. That was a show I loved when I was in middle school. I don't know if you ever watched that or not, um, but he did yeah. the the intro to, to that show. And that was, that was the way I knew him, the crazy hair. He still had the crazy hair going in 2009, 2010 I think that there were there were fewer dreads like I think he had lost some hair by that point but uh but yeah I mean that was that was pretty that was probably one of my most memorable artist stories when I worked in music radio was when that happened well that's a fun one uh Coolio uh you know he he certainly has his place and will have his place in pop culture uh, lore for this country for a long time so rest in peace to Coolio he he died yesterday as you probably saw those reports. All right, uh, glad to get story time there. Definitely worth it. That's a fantastic story. I love it. Uh, we're going to have some story time with Tim Fitzgerald when we come back. I, we want to talk about K-State because the last time we talked, we had a lot of questions about how real the Tulane game was. Now I want to know how real the Oklahoma game is because I feel like we've seen that several times. How good can this team be? We'll talk to Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com, or K-State Insider. That's where we're headed next on Sports Station. 